Guys, you can now subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee and save 20% with your Strava Craft Coffee subscription. We know a bunch of you have taken advantage of the one-time code, but you can now save 20% off your favorite coffee forever. And you'll never have to put in your credit card info again. If you've never tried this rich, tasty CBD-infused coffee, you definitely want to. And actually, you can now get Strava Craft Coffee Cold Brew at the DNVR bar. And let me tell you guys, it not only is it smooth and rich and tasty, but it also hits pretty strong. I mean, I was I walked into the DNVR bar on Friday. I was dragging. I had no energy. I had to do two more podcasts before the end of the day. I put down a glass of Strava Craft cold, Coffee cold brew, and I was ready to go for the rest of the night. So uh, make sure to check out Strava Craft Coffee. Make sure to come down to the bar and have one of the cold brews. And also make sure to check out the subscription option so you can set up when you want it sent to you. You never have to think about it, never run out of coffee, never wake up and not know what to do. So Strava Craft Coffee, check them out today. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. You guys know the drill. They'll put a dynamic education at your fingertips with rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their degrees to land coveted jobs. And some of our very own DNVR staff members are taking classes at MSU Denver Online this summer. They're loving it. So head over to msudenver.edu slash online to scope out all they have to offer. My boys, what is up, man? This is the three of us, and this is training camp week, starting off real football. Oh, happy Monday, guys. Oh, man, it is a happy Monday. I cannot believe that we're finally to a point where training camp was within reaching distance, and I can't believe we're sitting here with real football news to talk about today. It's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. It's great to be with you guys. I've mostly finished off my move, uh, so life can start to restore to a little bit of normalcy, but uh, it is great to be back on. Hit the ground running, RK. I absolutely love it. And like you said, some great news over the weekend, one that I think we told you very first before anyone else and that is the name. DeMar Dotson is now in the Broncos building. Not a Bronco yet, but expected to be. Yeah, he's got to pass the COVID tests and uh, pass the physical and all that. But when you're looking at a one-year solution, and that's all this is. I mean, you, DeMar Dotson is a bridge. A bridge to having Jawan James back. A bridge to perhaps drafting a right tackle of the future in next year's draft and uh, having James be the starter because his contract basically dictates you can't cut him next year without some serious cap implications. And uh, the last thing you want to do is create a lot of dead money in a year where the cap could be as low as 175 million. So you need a guy for one year, just get you through 16 games, 
someone who can pick up the system quickly. You're not going to find anybody great at this late stage of the calendar, but you can find somebody that you can plug and play and has experience and can pick up the offense quick. And even though he's not the player he was, say, five to seven years ago, DeMar Dotson is still a guy who can help you in pass protection. Uh, not great as a run blocker, but I think the pass pro is probably the more important thing with Drew Locke up front. And he should be able to grasp things pretty quickly. I see no reason why he shouldn't be a starter in week one as long as he doesn't get hurt. Yeah, this is huge. And, you know, once in a while we get a little confirmation that John and Vic are listening to the podcast. And here you go. <laughs> Here's another one. Because last Monday, one week ago, we were hammering this name. You know, there, there was that funny clip that came out of me uh, the week that I picked Colin Morikawa to win on the PGA Tour. And I said his name about 50 times uh, <laughs> on one podcast. Uh, but th- we pretty much did the exact same thing with Damar Dotson last Monday on the pod. And uh, and now it's, it looks like it's going to happen. It's not official yet, uh, but it, it, at least we know the Broncos were listening and they said, all right, we're going to give this guy a chance, which is always great to see. But guys, to me, this is big, big news. Now, I don't want anyone to think that DeMar Dotson is going to come in uh, and be an all-pro right tackle. But in my opinion, it's an instant upgrade over what the Broncos had for over 14 games at right tackle last season instant instant upgrade and this is a guy that the past two years has started 15 games each of those seasons so he's a guy that you can count on just like Garrett Bowles on the left side except DeMar I think is going to be better and Elijah Wilkinson he just simply wasn't very good at right tackle last year so you do get an upgrade there and Ryan I think it's fair to keep the expectations realistic with DeMar Dotson there's a reason he's available on August 10th right now but He's an upgrade. He's a starter, and that's what he's been in this league. That's what you're bringing in here. And we were so focused on on upgrading left tackle throughout the entire offseason. That's why in the draft we talked about primarily left tackles. In free agency we talked about primarily left tackles. Well, now the Broncos need the right tackle with Juwan James going out. So this name, although we haven't talked about it much before this past week, it makes a lot of sense with Juwan James out. Yeah, we weren't talking about it just because Juwan James was expected to be the guy. So, I mean, based, the hope was that he would be healthy. He would follow the every-other-year pattern of being healthy that he's had in his career and that you'd get what you needed in 2020 because those brief glimpses of Juwan James last year were pretty good. Now that's off the table. There's always somebody like DeMar Dotson at almost every position on the market at this point in the Broncos they've added a few guys like that you recall Evan Mathis back in 2015 or Keith Brooking at linebacker in 2012 there are all there's always that late career veteran who is open to playing one or two more years that you just kind of you sign them you cross your fingers you hope that they stay healthy you hope that they can at least bring some of of what they had. And fortunately for the Broncos, uh, Dotson, Dotson was on the market. Now the one thing that you have to watch out for, I mentioned his, uh, his pass, his pass protection, as Bruce Arians pointed out, even going into last year, his bend isn't what it used to be. And that's something that sometimes affects him on in, in run blocking. It's sometimes it also, it sometimes leads to him grabbing a little more than he used to 
early in his career. So you're going to have to live with some penalties, not holding penalties on the order of Garrett Bowles, but you're going to have to live with some infractions from time to time. And there are going to be occasions where you're going to have to, 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 to chip for him. And maybe this is a case where if you're setting up the strong side on the, on the run, you're doing a little more of that on the right side than the left side to make sure that Dotson gets the help he needs over there. You don't want to do it too often because you don't want to tip off the opponent, but still it's, it's a good save for the Broncos. And the other thing is, is it guards them in case Elijah Wilkinson isn't all the way back from the surgery that he had in May. I know that they pulled him off the pup list, but uh, there are still some questions about whether he's going to be 100%. DeMar Dotson should be able to answer those, at least in the short term. The Broncos have to add someone, and so I'm happy that they're going after a guy that will likely be the starter right away. And Yes, he, he may not have the bend because he's older because he's six foot nine, instantly going to be the tallest Bronco on the team. But I guess it's good that he doesn't have to go against Von Miller once the season starts. Obviously, some great pass rushers in the AFC West. But even though he does struggle there, I still, still think it's an upgrade. And then Elijah Wilkinson can battle Garrett Bowles on the left side. May the best man win. Then it's not Garrett Bowles' job to lose anymore. Then it's a competition. Uh, you know, I guess I should put in air quotes, competition on the left-hand side. But then at least your, your backup swing tackle is a guy that has started. And Elijah Wilkinson is a swing tackle. Yeah, you, you feel okay with that, especially where, you know, tackles are in this league. It's hard to get three tackles that have started games in the NFL. So you feel better about that because right now, man, especially with Elijah coming off an injury, your, your depth is uh, a massive hole as well. Yeah, this is a – to me, this is a really big move. But what the one thing that I, I caution people of is we basically only love moves and hate moves. And when we love moves, then that – People almost interpret it as like this guy is a is going to be fantastic. We don't need Demar Dotson to be fantastic. What we're saying is it's an upgrade, and Demar Dotson is just going to be average. You know, in in baseball they have a stat called wins above replacement. This like you just he's not going to be negative WAR. He you just want him to be right at you know he is replacement. He's literally a replacement. So you just want him to be a replacement-level player who doesn't hurt the team, not really going to help the team that much. He just exists over there, and you hope you say his name as little as possible. Yeah, it may be a bit better than that because I, I look at Elijah Wilkinson as kind of being that kind of replacement-level guy. So you're hoping for a bit better. Replacement level is somebody that you're – that is you know interchangeable, that you're hoping you don't have to rely on for long. For example – no offense to Jake Rogers personally. Jake <laughs> Rogers is probably a sub-replacement tackle. Mm-hmm. And that was not an option that you wanted to go to for anything longer than a, than a short burst, as we saw last year when Garrett Bowles was struggling mightily with the holding penalties at left tackle. Yet Rogers was at a point where it was not considered viable in any way, shape, or form to put him out there for even a possession of a game against the Bears or the Chiefs in October where Garrett Bowles was clearly struggling. So, yeah, he's – Wait, wait, yeah, Mason. Replacement level, Dotson is probably a little bit above replacement level. 
Are, are you talking about game ball Jake Rogers? <laughs> is is that who you're talking about right now? Because I'm a little yeah. confused. They, call, they don't call him game ball Jake for nothing. Hey, everybody gets a shining moment. You know, there, there are some t- – there, there were – a couple of games where Mario Mendoza of Mendoza line infamy in baseball went three for five. It happens sometimes. They're aberrations, but it happens. Even Brandon Allen had a magnificent game, right, Mace? Oh, boy. We're back on that word again. Oh, my. Real, real quick, I was listening to the radio this uh, earlier this week, and I heard a conversation, and, and they brought up Brandon Allen. I just want to hear your guys' thoughts on this. Who would you rather have as your backup quarterback, Brandon Allen or Jeff Driscoll? Jeff Driscoll. Jeff Driscoll. Okay, thank you. Because <laughs> I was listening to this show, I, I, and I'm not just not crediting them to not say that. I really don't remember what show it was. But they were like, yeah, I mean, the Broncos obviously screwed up by bringing in Jeff Driscoll instead of just keeping Brandon Allen. And everyone was just like, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And I was like, wait, what? No. But, what I love about and and there this might be a little bit of Madden in, in me speaking, but what I love about Jeff Driscoll is if you have to go to him, there's at least a gimmick that's on the table. Like he can run zone read and just put some pressure on the defense that they wouldn't have to do with a guy like Brandon Allen. Brandon Allen is just a normal quarterback who's worse, whereas Jeff Driscoll is a dual threat quarterback who is not as great at one of the – is average at both threats, but uh, is maybe a little – actually, average or below average as a thrower, but above average as a runner, which can, you know, stress out the defense a little bit. Yeah, there's another thing also with, with Jeff Driscoll that comes into play as well, and it is that he has a feel for the pass rush and an internal clock, and he can get away. But with Brandon Allen, the thing that just struck me when I watched him last year, and I really don't want to pile more on the kid here, but he had no he had no feel for the rush. And there were times where it looked like either he didn't know the pass rush was coming, and when he did, it was kind of like the eyes as big as, as saucers. Oh, my God, what do I do? Kind of, uh, kind, of kind of breaking down a little bit. So that's – Jeez, uh, Mace, that's just – just throw some more – just throw another match on his gas-soaked car. Why don't you? I'm, I'm sorry. It, it, was, it was painful to watch, watch him play at times. And even in the Browns game, the magnificent passer rating game, I, I'm, I'm watching him kind of under duress, and he's kind of fading back and fading back and fading back. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this is just too big and too much for the kid. And then his car blew up. <laughs> that was a good one, Ryan. That was good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. The infamous passer rating game. We'll never forget it. <laughs> Should have been Drew Locke's first start. That's how I'll always remember it. Yeah. Um, hey, imagine if we're talking about a Broncos team going eight and eight last year. I'm I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say nine and seven because I don't think they would have beaten the Bills under any circumstance. Well, at least be... Drew would have been able to throw it through the wind. Yeah, the, it would have. It wouldn't have been. It, it wouldn't have been as embarrassing. It wouldn't have been literally the worst performance in so, in a lot of metrics for the Broncos on offense in 27 years. It wouldn't have been that bad. It would have been just a garden variety, forgettable bad loss. You just happen to remember those stats in the Brandon Allen era. I just remember the magnificent ones, Mace. Uh, you're just a positive person. I'm a realist. <laughs> 
I'm one of the, I'm I'm one of those people being blamed for the for college football likely not having a season. That's, Forgive my realism. That's why it it is wild what's going on with college right now. Yeah, there's kind of part of me that thinks this is like a um a a leverage play by the presidents and commissioners and all this like they're like oh we're gonna take away your candy like (laughs) trying to get the players to throw a little temper tantrum and be like wait wait no no we want the candy okay we'll do the chores (laughs) do the presidents just want the players not to like ask for certain safety things or or what what are they upset with well the, the one thing that they can't have is players unionizing um and uh players you know gathering and making demands so the second that the players start doing that then they're just like oh i will just cancel the season right Mm. whatever it's up to you if that's what you guys want that's fine and then all the players will be whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. don't do that you know i'll stop talking to my friend over at georgia yeah exactly (laughs) i think what it is now is uh, with players, what do they have to lose at this point? Because if the season is, if the season is on the ropes, here's a chance to really kind of step forward and say, okay, we want to unionize. We believe in this. We, be- we believe in our cause here. And not to get too deep into the weeds on this, but I wonder about the impact of colleges making some players or some colleges making players sign waivers in order to take part because one thing that's of course coming up here for college football and at the university president level is the liability it because we don't know all of the long-term effects of covid and let's if you've got cardiac issues down the line is it possible that a player could sue the university for having them play in that environment and uh you know that the players actually kind of they they have some hand here and uh it's it's nice to see him using it. i'll say this I'm, justin fields and trevor lawrence were kind of leading the charge yesterday but with trevor it's pretty significant given what his coach Dabo sweeney has been has said over the years about players unionizing he's been pretty strident against any unionization any notions of players getting paid and so Trevor Lawrence coming out and saying that I think is it's pretty bold on his part. But then again, he's the best player in college football. He's got hand. He can say this. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens with college. Um, there's already been some backtracking of the report that came out this morning that the big 10 was officially going to cancel. Now that's starting to sound like it's not uh, a done deal yet. So I, I do kind of think this is a, a game that they're playing but I guess we'll find out soon enough um so I I guess just to put a bow on the offensive line conversation how much better do you feel well assuming that this deal gets done how much better do you feel about the Broncos offensive line today than you did last Monday one week ago I feel a lot better, but I do think that, that it's not saying that the offensive line as a whole is now great, Ryan. I do think that's very important. This, he's going to cost you, what, three, four million dollars. And so that, that's, that's nothing. That's pennies, especially when you have the fifth most cap room right now with $29 million. There's no reason to just spend it all right now uh, on backups outside of DeMar Dotson. But roll over 25 million next year instead of 29 million that is totally totally fine 
And right now, you get an instant starter at right tackle, then the plan gets to go back in place at left tackle. Uh, you don't have to worry about right tackle anymore. And now you have a swing tackle. So it, I feel a lot better about it. Yeah, it, the, fact, the, the notion of Jake Rogers being the primary backup at tackle, I think, uh, was a little bit scary to the Broncos. So you can have Wilkinson be there in reserve. You hope that he gets back to 100%. But like Zach said, you're, you're not worrying about, are we going to have a right tackle who's going to be capable? And I think that's all DeMar Dotson is right now. He's capable. He's serviceable. He can start for you. Even great teams have average to below average starters somewhere in their lineup. DeMar Dotson, he's going to be one of those guys. That's okay. The other thing I like about DeMar Dotson is he does bring a lot of experience. He does bring some leadership and insight into a locker room that does not have on the offensive side, at least doesn't have a lot of veteran leadership presence. So I think DeMar Dotson being around is going to help some guys a little bit and help them grow. Man, that's a really great point, Mace. Um, because wh- up until this point, Juwan James was the veteran most player on the offense, right? And from everything I've heard, there was little to no connection between the players in the locker room and Juwan James. You know, uh, he was kind of an outsider last year, uh, never really bonded uh, per se with a lot of players on the team. DeMar Dotson comes in with a hell of a lot of experience uh, and maybe, just maybe, you know, those guys really click with him uh, and he can help bring a a veteran influence onto that offense. 100%. And and Graham Glasgow right there next to Lloyd Cushenberry. I mean, and of course we know Dalton Reisner is going to be there. This, This offensive line can change nearly overnight in terms of not, not, not just bringing in a right tackle so, so you have some, uh, someone you can count on there, but in terms of leadership, last year we knew Dalton was going to be a good leader, but we also knew that he wasn't being allowed to lead. And he, he said that he wished he was, he was leading more last year, but as a rookie you really couldn't. Uh, now you move on from the center after last year, a new right guard. This can be a totally different, at least mentality on the offensive line. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And maybe someone can finally get through to Garrett Bowles. Uh, <laughs> but overall, I feel a hell of a lot better. There was a giant hole over there, and now there's a six-foot-nine man blocking the hole. Uh, so, I, uh, you know, just on this right then and there, I feel a lot better than it. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, though, by the way, one more thing. You say six-foot-nine. I mean, he's – because of that, he he has one of my favorite numbers – any player can have because he wore 69 it Mm, was perfect nice (laughs) thank you said what i expected to the problem is jake rogers 69 jake rogers (laughs) comes up again he's got 69 i I think i think jake should look at demar dotson look at somebody who's been a starter for quite a while who's been in the league for a decade and say hey you know what it's so logical for a six foot nine man to have jersey number 69 here you go. No, no. He should do all of that, like you said, and then say, I think it makes a lot of sense for you to have jersey number 69. But I just looked at your career earnings, uh, <laughs> and I compared them to mine, and I'm going to need 100 Gs for it. <laughs> you know what? Just give me half your contract. Yeah, there you go. Maybe, <laughs> maybe 10 Gs. I mean, make him buy it from you if you're Jake Rogers. That's $10,000. That's although, $10, although I found out, though, is, is Jake Rogers on the – 
yeah, I guess he is technically on the active route. I found out, though, one time from – oh, God, I'm going to forget his name. There was this kid who was on the practice squad, and someone came in and took his number. And I asked him, I said, uh, oh, nice, did you get any money or anything for that? He said, no, nope. just walked into my locker today, and I had a different jersey. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> practice no squad players have no hand <laughs> when it comes to jersey numbers. They, they just – if you're on the 53-man roster, it's one thing. But if you're on the practice squad, they'll just take it from you willy-nilly. Well, you isn't that basically what Jake say. Rogers is? <laughs> no, he's game ball Jake, Jake Rogers. Is. There we go. Zach point out. <laughs> GBJR. Oh, man. <laughs> you, got GB, you got GB on the left side. You got GBJR on the right side, at least for the last couple of games of the 2019 season. I mean, hey works well together right i guess so as long as you keep the j in there between gb and r uh, <laughs> uh okay with it being uh monday here with the three of us here we get we get to do mace's favorite segment called mace gives out winners and everyone gets out of the way and just listens to whatever he says because we know that mace just hammers winners he loves hearing that people are putting their mortgage on his picks so mace <laughs> Give the people what they want. What do we got well, for the DraftKings Sportsbook Pick of the Week this week? Well, you know what? I have been giving out winners because I've been telling you to take the opposing picture against the Atlanta Braves and the over on strikeouts tonight at 4 p.m. Mountain Time, 6 p.m. Eastern. Braves closing out a season against the Fighting Phillies and Aaron Nola on the bump at Citizens Bank Park. The over-under is seven and a half, so you think, ooh, that's – troublesome right well Aaron Nola in his in, in his last eight starts against Atlanta dating back to September 2018 averages 8.0 strikeouts per seven innings he's been over that seven and a half mark one two three four five times in his last seven starts against the Atlanta Braves so I told you to take the over on the in this scenario the last few weeks I'm gonna say it again I'm writing it until in until it bucks me, take the over. Aaron Nola, seven and a half strikeouts. And make sure you're listening to that from Mace because he's on a heater right now. Three-game win streak. Mace, you're about to make it a month straight of winning picks tonight. Wow, that's hey. impressive. Uh, and I, I feel obligated to uh, tell you guys that Andre and I, uh, since Colorado Sports came back, have just been – tossing out winners like candy on Halloween. Uh, the two of us are a combined 39 and 12 picking Colorado sports games. So whether that's the over on strikeouts for Herman Marquez or any of those things, any pick involving Colorado sports, we are a combined 39 and 12. So I highly urge you that if you want some winners uh, to head over to DNVR bets daily, we'll be live one o'clock today from the bar or you can listen uh, wherever you get podcasts, DNVR Bets Daily. Uh, we're having a ton of fun with it. Uh, and uh, shout out to DraftKings Sportsbook for making that show possible. Ryan, I got to say, if this was a football season and you guys had that 76% winning percentage, you'd be a 12-win team. So, bravo, bravo. Keep those glasses on. Keep those shades on because you're so hot. We're going to the playoffs, baby. Let's go. <laughs> You're, I mean, you got first seed. 
Exactly. Okay, so speaking of that show and winners we've been giving out, uh, there is a a certain number that has been very profitable for me specifically. Uh, I have been taking the under on Rockies games at Coors Field because the the sports book loves to see a game at Coors Field and just crank that over under up through the roof. And you look tonight, I'll read you off some numbers of the other games around town. Uh, over under nine, over under eight and a half, over under nine, over under nine, over under eight and a half, over under eight and a half, over under nine, over under eight and a half, over under nine. All these are at eight and a half or nine. The Rockies versus the Diamondbacks at Coors Field tonight, 11 and a half. <laughs> Two and a half runs higher than the highest game in the rest of the league. And this is when I, this is what happened to me the first game at Coors Field. I looked and said, well, what is going on here? This is two-hole two runs. Coors Field is Coors Field, but it doesn't give up two-hole runs more than every other field on any given night. And that's proven out to work five out of – or sorry, seven, six out of seven games at Coors Field so far have gone under that number, and they still haven't lowered the number. So I'm going to keep going back to that well until they finally decide to lower the number. But 11 and a half, I'm taking the under again. Try to move to seven and one picking unders at Coors Field. That's pretty wild that you win on the under in a 6-5 game. That's exactly. a high-scoring game. Exactly. And you got Robbie Ray and John Gray on the mound tonight. Ray and Gray <laughs> uh, keep the bats at bay. That's what I always say. <laughs> wow. It literally rolls off the tongue. <laughs> uh so so two good pitchers 11 and a half we take the under have you guys heard of this uh this guy named michael porter jr i think there's uh there's even a breck beer named after him yes aka as we call him on the bet show money printer jr and that's where i'm taking my money tonight the nuggets play the lakers in a very anticipated game i know mpj not coming off the best game ever, but he's at 18 and a half points for his over-under. I'm killing that over. It's minus 110, so normal odds. Another one that I was neck and neck with, Jokic is 18 and a half as well. I love the over on both of those guys. Love it. 18 and a half for, for your two studs right now? Easy. And you just said Michael Porter Jr. isn't coming off the best game. Well, Zach, in that game, he had 23 points and 11 rebounds. <laughs> there you go. So not the best game for a young guy, and he still hits the over easily. Yeah, I, I like that. Uh, he's yet to go under. Since they started offering Michael Porter Jr. props, he has not missed one. In fact, I don't wow. think he's missed any of his props since they started offering him, hence the nickname Money Printer Jr. Uh, <laughs> love the pick here. Definitely going to be his toughest matchup, but look – he was one of eight for threes the other day on threes. That's never going to happen again. Like that's a, that's a once in a blue moon occurrence. He's going to hit some threes. And once he starts doing that, the points add up and he gets such easy buckets. Um, now I kind of hope we get to see LeBron James guarding him at some point, just because I think that's going to make MPJ turn his level up even higher. And, and I just want to see what that looks like. But uh might make it more difficult for him to go over, but heck, if they're going to lower the, the number because they're playing the Lakers, I'm cool with that. I think he makes open threes tonight, and uh, the Nuggets are going to need it. And I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, so I think it, all the players are going to be scoring more, especially the Stars. Love it. Absolutely love it. Great pick, Zach. Uh, well, when you come down to the DNVR bar tonight to watch 
the game, which there are still a few spots available, I believe. Uh, you can get a Mile High City Copper Lager. You can get a Strawberry Sky. You can get the RK Special now available at the DNVR bar. But whatever you do, you're going to want to have an ice cold Breck brew when you take in the Nuggets Lakers game tonight. Uh, sports are just such a great pairing with Breck brews. Uh, so whether you're down at the DNVR bar or not, make sure you check out Breck Brews and, and might I recommend that Mile High City Copper Lager as a perfect pairing with a uh, Michael Porter Jr. 20.10 rebound double-double. We've got, we've got RK specials at the bar. We've got Strava Craft Coffee Cold Brew at the bar. We're about to have Lawnmower 3.0 Manscapes at the bar because we bring the best to the bar and Manscapes Lawnmower 3.0 is simply the best. But until then, until it's at the bar at your disposal, hook yourself up or your loved one up with the Perfect Package 3.0 from Manscaped. Comes with that Lawnmower 3.0, which truly is the best razor out there. I don't care if you're talking below the belt, below above the chin. It's the best razor available, 90-minute battery life, LED light, skin-safe technology so you don't have nicks. Uh, you can shave anywhere you want with the Lawnmower 3.0. And they've got the awesome new Shears 2.0, which is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools and includes tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. It's, it, it's everything you need to take care of your eye, eyebrows and fingernails. So pair that up with the Lawnmower 3.0 in the Perfect Package 3.0 and use the magical code DNVR20 at manscaped.com to get 20% off and free shipping. Use the magical code DNVR20 at manscaped.com to get those magical tools for the family jewels. Love it. Great stuff, Zach. And I can't recommend every single thing I've used for Manscaped has been top notch. I've got a whole, like, you know, um, there's like a, a popular thing on Instagram when someone posts a picture, they have really great skin. They say like, drop the skin routine. Uh, I, mm -hmm. I don't have, I don't have a skin routine, but I now have a below the belt routine. And it's all thanks to Manscaped. Um, so if you want me to drop, if you want me to drop the routine in the comments, uh, <laughs> I, I'm happy to do that. It, does it start with dropping the drawers? Uh, yes. <laughs> you got to make sure your balls have dropped too. Oh, hey, 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 hey! Some things I don't need to know. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let's jump into the comments here from the good listeners. And the first one here comes in from Low Country Bronco. Hey, fellas, I haven't commented in a while, but something has been really bothering me. Before I start, I get that Madden's rankings are trivial in the grand scheme of things. However, Vaughn is a 97 after only eight sacks. His rank didn't change from last year's game. And the only other Bronco in the 80s and 90s is Kareem Jackson, who ranks at 88. While he's a stud, it's ridiculous that Philip Lindsay and Cortland Sutton aren't at least 85 to 89. But to make it all disgusting, they gave – no, just trusting. They gave Drew Locke a 70. A 70. Look, I get he has a small sample size, but he ranks 35th overall in Madden's QB rankings. That means several backups have been given a higher grade. I'm listening to Friday's pod now about the position rankings, and this tips scale for me on the Madden thing. We all know things like Madden rankings and the top 100 are trivial, to say the least, but come on. That's all. I hope you're doing well, Low Country Broncos. 
So Low Country Bronco, are you kind of advocating maybe taking away from Von Miller's 97 and giving it to these other guys? It kind of sounds like maybe Von in your eyes should be a 90 and then those extra seven points give it to Cortland, Justin, and Drew? I or maybe that. you could just have have everybody have a higher ranking because it's not a zero-sum thing. You don't have to drop one guy and increase the other. I think with Von Miller, you can lean on the career reputation, Super Bowl MVP, having a big sack season in 2018, and say, all right, fine, maybe we'll dock Von too, but we're going to move Philip Lindsay up four and Cortland Sutton up three or four and Drew Locke up three or four. So there's not a finite amount of points that they have to give to the Broncos, believe it or not. They can't give them more. The, the probably the worst thing about these ratings is Drew Locke's arm strength. That's something that you don't need more than five games to see. That's something that you could have accurately done on Madden before he even played a game. You knew he had a strong arm and it's, uh, we detailed it and it's behind a lot of other guys who he has a stronger arm than. Yeah, you know, I don't expect Drew Locke to be ranked where I think he should be ranked. What I do is expect him to be ranked above players with zero sample size, and 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 that's not happening. You know, Justin Herbert's higher, Tua Tagovailoa is higher. It's just, it's kind of garbage. What about yeah. Joe Burrow being higher? I mean, he's number one. Joe Burrow's six. six points higher. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Justin Herbert being higher—that's uh, that'll that'll play itself out very quickly in the season. I know who I'd rather have in reality. Yes, without a doubt. I'm I'm not on Team Herbert. Big Tony. Wow, here I was thinking that I was going to be able to mace the mace with that question. But, of course, you were spot on about the orange jerseys. Someday, someday I will mace the mace. We need a T-shirt that says you got maced. Anyway, no question today, but a cool story. Back in October, I was stuck in LAX for 17 hours. Long story. Went to the Chargers-Broncos game last year, and as I was sitting on the ground watching Netflix on my phone to pass the time, I look up and see someone emerge from the elevator that I recognize from NFL Network. Without a thought, I blurt out, Adam? Thinking it was Adam Schefter. Turns out it was Andrew Siciliano. Ha ha ha. I felt horrible for calling him by the wrong name, but he was still cool about it. And let me take a quick picture with him before he sprinted away as he was running late for his flight. <laughs> that, that's pretty cool, yeah. You must, uh, you must not live up to the name Big Tony, because if, if you are that big, it would have been hard to fit you and Andrew Siciliano <laughs> in the same frame. <laughs> I, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say that the thing that all of those guys you throw Ian Rappaport in there, too, they're all just tiny dudes. What is it about being a tiny man and getting scoops from the NFL? You think that, do you think I got a future then? Because no, I, I you're fit, too I tall. <laughs> They're even you gotta, shorter. You got to be sub five five. Wow! To get these wow! Maybe that's how they get the scoops. They just literally fly under the radar. Oh! Exactly. Oh! oh. <laughs> <laughs> Next one coming in from Love Thunder Down Under. Is it now a thing to Stokely a take? Yikes! Yeah. Talk about not having all the information at your disposal when you have a take. Uh, Brandon Stokely apparently unaware of the reason why Darius Geis was let go by Washington's football team, suggesting that he would be a good number three back for the Broncos. Oh, 
And just oh, looks come on, man. Just, just looks worse today with more information coming out about that. He really, gosh, I want to say he will never play in the NFL again, but I, I guess I shouldn't be that confident in NFL teams. But he really shouldn't play in the NFL again. Apparently, uh, strangulated his girlfriend back in March until she was unconscious. I mean, that yeah. should not be allowed in the NFL ever. Yeah, it's disgusting, and obviously it's just allegations, I believe, still at this point. Uh, but, but again, uh, you, the Redskins did the right thing. I, 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 that sentence normally doesn't uh, come out of anyone's mouth, but on this, on this case, you just can't take any chances of having that person in your locker room. And, I, I, you know, I give Stokely uh, the benefit of the doubt here. Obviously, it's his job to know what he's talking about before he talks about it, but uh, – you know, I got uh, just a notification from Bleacher Report that just said, like, um, Washington cuts Darius Geis with no context. And so maybe that sort of thing happened to him. And he was just like, oh, you know, the Broncos should go get him. And he didn't he didn't know the full story. So I, I actually believe him that he didn't know the full story, not that he backtracked after the fact. But, yeah, he probably, probably want to just figure out why someone got cut before – uh, before jumping to any conclusions is what the Broncos picking up. By the, by the way, what was the name of that team that, that let him go? Uh, uh, they don't have a name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Old habits are dying hard because I've heard – it's funny because exactly what I, I heard someone on the radio, not sure where, a few days ago in the wake of the Darius Geist move mentioned the team name. People have not adjusted to the WFT just yet the it, I, wish, I wish they went with uh washington team football <laughs> and then yeah. their hash it did did is their hashtag really going to be 1932 did i see it that correctly on twitter it, it literally can't be you can't have numbers in your hashtag so it's just i mean this is an organization that still gets <laughs> a lot of things wrong like like but they put that out there, didn't they? Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, Your social media person or people, because every team, every NFL team has multiple social media staffers now, they've got to know you can't put the number in the hashtag like that. No numbers, no apostrophes, oh. no dashes. Also, I mean, that's a good thing for them because that's a terrible hashtag. And, yeah, then we could just be going hashtag W. I mean, it really should be WTF. Yep. Because of Washington's, everything with Washington's team for football. <laughs> WTF. Uh, you know what? The, the fans might put that moniker on them anyway over the course of the season if they have the kind of season that I think most people expect them to have, which barring Alex Smith coming back and being what he was before the injury is going to be putting him in the Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields conversation. But Dwayne Haskins is rated higher than Drew Locke in Madden. <laughs> <laughs> so according to that, the Broncos might as well just be in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. Yeah, well, there you yeah. go. All right. all right. Count Locula, first of all, dude, you don't have a left tackle. Secondly, he's a freaking draft pick on a rookie contract. You can't pick up his option. His hair will fall out. Effing tackle on effing rookie deal. I'm sorry, Elway. That draft was over the line. Market zero. Go Big Tabowski. Go RK Specials. Go Blue Light Specials. Go the way Special K cereal made my pee smell, smell funny. <laughs> go Zach Legend. Pay, the, pay him. Pay that man his money. Love the count. Wait. What? 
special case series. We're not. We are not going back to that. Not <laughs> where it was. And move on. I gotta know which flavor of special K though. Actually, this leads, me to, this leads me to a question that I wanted to ask you guys. It's just, it just fits into uh, the mix here of things we've discussed on this podcast. Do you shower at the same temperature throughout the shower, or do you tweak it throughout the shower just based on how you're feeling? Because as I was moving into my new place, the landlord said, hey, a great thing about this shower is there's a knob for the water, there's a knob for the hot, there's a knob for the cold. So you can leave it at the exact same temperature every time and just turn the water on. But to me, well, hold, I'll let you guys answer. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, here's what I do. I get in when it's nice and steamy. Then for 30 seconds, I turn it ice cold just to, to wake at myself the, up. Then I'm at back the beginning? again. Yep, yep. After I, after I get oh. in, get a little warmed up, boom, go ice cold, count to 30 seconds, turn it back up. Then sometimes, especially in the winter, it'll get progressively hotter. Whoa, whoa. The only time I have cold water in my shower is if I've just worked out. Because if I have my shower at the normal temperature, and usually if I just wake up in the morning, it's warm, not hot, but you know, warm enough to, to, feel, to feel good. But if I work out and I have it at my normal temperature, then the shower won't take, and it'll be like – George Costanza sweating at his desk <laughs> when he had a shower that, in his words, didn't take after a workout and referred to himself as a human heat pump. I have the same <laughs> attribute, unfortunately. So if I've just been for a walk or been on the elliptical, it's always start off cold and then normalize it, and then that will allow the shower to take. But the main thing is here is that you don't just take the same temperature shower every time. And for me, I change, I change the temperature of the shower periodically throughout the shower every time. So I get in at like a little above lukewarm. Uh, and then I'd slowly but surely as my body temperature increases, increase the temperature of the shower so it still feels hot. Yeah, yeah, that makes that makes a ton of sense. And then you just got to make sure you you time it right so that it doesn't start getting cold on the other side before before you're done. Yeah, I take really fast showers, so that's never been a problem for me. <laughs> so do you end where it's like steaming hot and your body's red? Yep. Yeah, usually I, I well, it just depends. Not in the summer. Right. It's a whole uh, different ball game. Yeah, in the winter, I'm trying to come out. Of, I'm trying to have steam coming off my body as I get out of the shower. You wanna, you want, you don't want the shower to take in that case. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm glad. I'm glad that's cleared up. I, I, I just felt like it was crazy that someone might just have the same temperature every time and keep it at that temperature throughout the entire shower. Like, I'd love if I was that consistent. It would save me time, but no, not, not the case. <laughs> All right, uh, another great tournament over at WGT last night, and uh, you, you're missing out if you're not in on WGT. Over, we're up near over 600 members of the DNVR family are playing along with us at WGT. So, again, you know, you should have FOMO if you haven't gone to dnvrgolf.com, downloaded WGT, gone into the country club, DNVR 3 now, DNVR number three, no space, and joined us because every week we do a tournament, and every week it's a blast. You can trash talk us. You can trash talk your fellow DNVR family members. 
Uh, and what we learned last week is it's really fun to play the tournament around other people who are playing the tournament. So maybe you get your family members or your friends in and you all tee off on one at the same time and you compare your scores after every hole. It's really fun. So dnvrgolf.com is where you go and download it from there. So the people at WGT know you're a DNVR family member. And then you double down on that by joining the DNVR three country club. You keep calling these tournaments great, Ryan. And uh, man, it means you're doing much better than I am. I unfortunately haven't been able to call any tournament great, but I'll tell you, they're a ton of fun. But what is great is Green Mountain Dental Group in Lakewood. They're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area, and they're extreme Colorado sports fans just like all of us. They're only a 15-minute drive from downtown Denver, so make sure to check them out and schedule that cleaning, x-ray, and exam, and you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. That's all you got to do. Schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam and they'll give you a free Sonicare toothbrush. So make sure to check out Green Mountain Dental, where when you take care of your teeth, they hand over a free Sonicare toothbrush. Great I'll... stuff. Next one here is from Broncos Only. It says, hey, guys, I'm commenting from Mount Rushmore National Monument. It's impressive. But now I'm wondering, who is the Mount Rushmore of Broncos running backs? Terrell Davis is number one, I'm guessing. But who rounds out the other three? Uh, what would the career stats and achievements need to be displace someone and join the top four? Yours, Bluely, Broncos only. Uh, we actually had this conversation semi-recently. So it was um, TD and Floyd Little are in automatically. Yep. And then from there, I believe there was a little bit of debate, Mace. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah, but we got into – I think the, some of the names that came up were Clinton Portis. Oh, and I think that's who we chose for third. I think we chose for yeah. third. Fourth was interesting because there, there are guys you could argue for. There's Sammy Winder, who was steady back in the 80s, had a single 1,000-yard season. The one I argued for was Otis Armstrong, who led the league in rushing in 74 and was one of the very few Broncos 1,000-yard rushers, along with TD twice and also Clinton Portis who was able to average more than 100 yards per game because, of course, he was north of 1,400 yards in a 14-game season. And then the other thing that we debated when it came up is, what would Philip Lindsay have to do to join that group? And I would say probably another 1,000 another or 1,100 yard season, another Pro Bowl appearance might allow him to push Otis Armstrong off of Mount Rushmore. Which is kind of crazy that Philip Lindsay can be that just after one more season, potentially. Now, uh, I think his stats are going to be hurt by having Melvin Gordon here, but if he were to have another 1,000-yard season, then he would be the first running back again in NFL history as an undrafted guy to go 1,000, 1,000, 1,000. In fact, he would just continue his record by another season on top of that, and it, it shows just how incredible Philip Lindsay has been, but also – how the Broncos really haven't had like so many incredible running backs that have six have had sustained success. We know that pretty much every running back during the Mike Shanahan era would step in and get the job done. But then even Clinton Portis, Mike Shanahan said, okay, yeah, thanks for all you've done after two years. Bye-bye. Now we're going to bring someone else in to do that job. And that, I guess that shows what the Mike Shanahan era was about. Just new guy. Doesn't matter. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Philip Lindsay is certainly tracking towards that fourth spot 
Um, and depending on his longevity here, almost almost has it, you know, in his crosshairs. Well, can you believe that Terrell Davis' short career is the Broncos' leader in 1,000-yard seasons? Wow. Yeah. That is, that is crazy. So is it also crazy to say that Melvin Gordon, during his two-year contract, could – Become on that Mount Rushmore? No, I don't think it'll happen. But what if he has two 1,400-yard seasons, two 1,500-yard seasons? It's possible. We've already he set would. the bar that you don't have to, uh, you know, play for more than two seasons to get your name up there. Yeah. Exactly. And, and the truth of the matter is, I mean, TD is there with 4,000-yard seasons. If you want to be second best, all you need to do is have two because that ties you for number two with Otis Armstrong, Clint Porter, Philip Lindsay, Bobby Humphrey, Mike Anderson. I mean – Floyd Little's down there with 1,000-yard season. There are some extenuating circumstances involved with that shorter season, 14 games, uh, having nobody else to help him out on the, on the offense. I believe one of the things that got him in the Hall of Fame was Jeff Legwold pointing out just how many times he was met by tacklers in the line, in, behind the line of scrimmage because his offensive line was so terrible. But, yeah, you can't take Floyd off there, but it's wide open for Melvin Gordon, if he explodes the next couple of years to be on that list, and it's wide open for Bill Lindsay, if he has another season like he had the last two years, to be on that list. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, Philip Lindsay, that's crazy that he can move into second all-time uh, <laughs> alone with a 1,000-yard season this year, which I think he'll get. So uh, mm-hmm. that'd be wild. Next one's from Mark. IT snatch. Hey guys, we'll start with the we'll start the NFC West with Ryan's Arizona Cardinals. For Denver, the options are plentiful. In 11 meetings, the Broncos are 9-1 and 1 against the Redbirds, most of which were a rout. The most competitive of these games was the 91 near fail, wherein the Broncos got up early and coasted their lead into the fourth. Phoenix mounted a comeback on field goals before LA led a game-winning drive in the closing minutes. What games stick out in your memory? Well, uh the most recent one sticks out for me. I remember I was supposed to go to uh, Lake Tahoe, I think, that weekend. And uh, I had to cancel the trip because the, the rumor on the wire was if the Broncos lose, Vance Joseph is going to get fired. <laughs> the Broncos went out there and won like 45 to 10. Uh, I believe Emmanuel Sanders threw and caught a touchdown pass in that game. Uh, and there were two defensive touchdowns. Um, Josh Rosen did not have a good game, sadly, like most of his games of his, in his NFL career. Uh, that's the one that sticks out to me the most without very many other ones sticking out. It sticks out to me because we're going to beat their beep. Oh, yeah. And Von Miller leading up to that game. Yeah, it sticks out for many reasons, and the Broncos certainly did that. They didn't do that much that season, but they took it to the Arizona Cardinals. Sure did. 100%. Now, the game that I'm going to point out is the, the great 1977 season started with the then St. Louis Cardinals coming into Mile High Stadium. And Don Coriel of Air Coriel fame was their coach. The Cardinals had been really good the previous three years. But this was the statement of intentions by the Broncos defense shut down the Cardinals. The Broncos won that week one game seven to nothing. Fun. Including a, a, a stop 
I believe – I don't think it was goal to go, but I think it was like inside the 10-yard line. The Broncos got to stop late in the game to hold off the Cardinals and get the week one win. So that one, because of what it launched, it was one of those games that basically set up something significant to come. So for the Broncos' perspective, it's definitely that game. And I know it's all, it always comes up, what do I think of that opponent against the Bucks? It's the same year. It's the end of that season. The Bucks' first ever home win came against the St. Louis Cardinals, 17-7. to They'd beaten the Saints in the Superdome a week earlier, and they came home against the Cardinals, shut down that offense, had a deep touchdown pass. The fans stormed the field, tore down the goalposts after waiting so long for that taste of home success. And then the Cardinals fired Don Coriel and went into an abyss after that. And they really, they, they were, it took them really 30 years to be as good as they were in the Don Coriel era. It was a mistake wow. that, they, that they really never lived down. Wow. Wow. That was a, that was a Corey L for the franchise. <laughs> and it ended up affecting the Broncos because, of course, Don Coriel early the following season came home to San Diego and had Dan Fouts and Wes Chandler and Charlie Joyner and Kellen Winslow at his disposal and created some offenses that gave the Broncos plenty of headaches for quite a while. So let's stop talking about L's and talk about wins. Broncos, Sooners, New York Rangers chimes in. My boys, happy Monday. Is there a better sports city than Denver right now? Nuggets, Rockies, Avs, all killing it with the Broncos looking up. To all the Denver fans out there, good luck with your teams and enjoy the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't get better than, uh, than Denver sports right now. And we hope to be saying that in a month, in two months. Because that'll mean so much fun in this city and at the DNVR bar. He says, my question is this. Do you think Jerry Judy will break 1,000 yards for the season? How about five touchdowns or 75 catches? Thanks for reading. This one's for Pat. Well, real quick, okay. uh, I want to ask you guys. If you were setting the line at DraftKings Sportsbook, Zach, where would you set it on TDs and catches? TDs, I would set it at... Six and a half, and, th- and that's trying to be fair. Uh, and catches, I would set it at 60 and a half. Okay, Mace, no research. <laughs> I, Show us your fingers. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but even then, I like to have my lines be properly sourced and vetted, but I'd set the over-under on receptions at 50 on touchdowns, four and a half yards, 750. Okay. 750, I believe is where they set the yards as well. Um, you said 50 and a half on receptions, huh? 50 receptions and four and a half touchdowns. Wow. My Part of it is just my fear that this offense is going to take a little while to come together and there simply aren't going to be as many opportunities as a player of Judy's magnitude and potential may merit and it's going to hold his numbers down or early in the season in particular interesting 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 okay well um that's surprising to me that you went that low but DraftKings Sportsbook has the over under on Jerry Judy reception set at 55 and a half which I think he clears by at least 20 uh and they have 
maybe you guys will both be more interested in this line because you both went uh, over this one. Total receiving touchdowns is set at three and a half. Uh, which, in my opinion, could be over in the first two weeks uh, <laughs> if things go the right way. Uh, that one is a lot easier to cover in a short period of time, but the one I think he'll actually cover the easiest is the receptions. I think, you know, 55 receptions, guys, is about three catches per game, less than three catches per game. He should have three catches in the first half every game, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so, too. I think he's going to go all of those, including yards as well. I don't think he'll get to 1,000, but I think he's going to be in the 900, so very, very, very close to 1,000. But it doesn't even matter because if you're taking the over-unders, the over-unders in the 700s. So I like the over on all those. And, Ryan, I agree. The one I like the most is touchdowns. Yeah, and even Mace went over on that one. I'm I'm shocked with uh, the 50-and-a-half line. I just – I can't see a scenario in which Jerry Judy has has 50 catches or less. It'd be bad. It it, it, it would be shot. I mean, th- Brian, when you put it like that, three catches a game, that's it. Yeah. 55 divided by 16, 3.4 catches per game. But at the same time, if you're coming out and having a, a team, especially early in the season, that's based around the run, that's based around defense, if – Drew Locke's safety valve ends up being Melvin Gordon slash Philip Lindsay out of the backfield. You have a wide receiver one in Cortland Sutton. I think that is where that is where some of the skepticism about what kind of numbers he produces as a rookie comes from. The, the, the other thing is if he has if he has 50 catches for 750 yards, that still puts him in the type of company that leads to being an elite receiver down the line. If you get over 700 yards as a rookie over the last decade, far more often than not, you are headed to big things in your career. So I think maybe I'm, maybe, maybe I'm being Mr. Negative, Nancy Negative Nelly, whatever you want to call me here, but I'm just trying to kind of keep it realistic based on the situation that befalls the Broncos. Now that said, if Cortland Sutton gets hurt, Jerry Judy's your number one, the numbers are going to skyrocket. I just don't know if he's going to have enough opportunities to get big numbers. Yeah, I just I, – I, he's such a a precise route runner that I think on third downs, Drew Locke is going to have his number in mind as soon as they get to the line. I truly believe that he could have upwards of three third down catches every game. <laughs> and nice. Drew should be looking his way early and often. And Drew's going to want to because he's just going to be open. Yeah. Next one from Amorite or Amarillo. I've got a tea time over Labor Day weekend to play Fossil Trace and Golden. I was just wondering if RK had played the course and what he could tell me about it. Any tips, what kind of course it is, etc. Wow, uh, I'm your guy for this. I love Fossil Trace. It's one of the more um, fun courses, I would say, on the front range. It's a Jim Eng design, which... If you know what that means, you know what that means. If you don't, basically, Ng is known for making things uh, interesting and having some – I don't want to use this word because I don't believe in, in it, but some people would call it gimmicky type things. So one thing you'll see is on the back nine, I believe it's hole number 12, goes up against a giant rock wall on the left side of the fairway and then there's actually a massive boulder in the middle of the fairway halfway down the hole so you gotta you know you gotta contend with that 
Um, there's a lot of bold greens, meaning, you know, you can miss left, but there's a big hill that will feed it down towards the green. You can miss right, you can miss long. Uh, it's, it's really fun. It's very conducive to scoring if you hit the ball straight. If you hit it into the weeds, you're going to have a bad time, as I did many times when we faced Vic Lombardi and Mark Mosier there for our first edition of the Oddcast Cup. Uh, you're, you aren't going to succeed from the weeds, but if you hit it straight, uh, you keep it in play, you're going to be rewarded by just some interesting features of the course that are there to help you score. So one of the more fun courses. It's beautiful. The views are incredible. Uh, and you'll definitely have some shots turn out in a weird way. Is that same hole number 12, I actually hit like a low cut that was going right of the hole that normally would have completely missed the green, but there's a, a big rock wall next to the green. I had one kick off the rock wall and on. <laughs> so you might have some shots go awry because of the rocks. You might have some work out because of the rocks. Uh, it's just one of those courses that you'll leave saying, man, every course or every hole here had a different uh, feature that I remember. Some people may call it gimmicky. To me, it sounds like big boy putt-putt. Which is why people call it gimmicky. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, it is such a pretty course, too. Man, you're going to have a blast. Yeah, one of my favorites. I would play Fossil Trace any day of the week if I could. Dan Burke coming in with the Calvin Anderson quiet emoji. Do any of y'all want to want any part in DeAndre Baker if slash when he gets cut? I remember Mikhail Kendrick or Michael Kendrick still playing with the Seahawks last year despite being charged and pleading guilty. So there's a precedent of players still being able to play in the NFL until they get officially sentenced. Okay, hold on, hold on. Uh, there's a big difference between like a white collar money crime. Uh, that Michael Kendricks did and holding people at gunpoint like DeAndre Baker did at least in my mind there's a massive gap between those two things um, you're taking money from people either way though you are yeah. taking money pe from people one's in a non-violent way <laughs> yeah, yeah but <laughs> one's in a non-violent way and you're also uh, taking uh, from a higher echelon of <laughs> But I'm one of those people who argues that white-collar crime deserves stiffer punishment than it's been getting. And Maybe that's true, I, but I not worse than no, aiming a I, gun at people. Right. I want no part of Michael Kendricks. I want no part of DeAndre Baker. And I liked Baker coming out when he was drafted in 2019, but boy, oh boy. Oh, the character doesn't appear to be there, man. No, Michael no Kendricks had no chance of killing anyone with his crime. <laughs> Uh, you start waving a gun around at people, anything can happen. I think there's a huge gap there, but I'm with you. Uh, you know, you, both of these are felonies, I believe, and uh, I don't want felons on my football team. Yeah, no, 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 DeAndre Baker, no. Hope you enjoyed your one year in the NFL. That It should be that. It should be one year and done. I mean, now, of course, he could get off, but – if he doesn't, he's going to be in jail. He's not going to have an opportunity to be in the NFL, at least for a couple of years. And he's not going to, yeah, yeah. It's not going to be minimum security prison. It's going to, yeah. you guys saw office space, right? 
Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you know where I'm getting there. <laughs> yeah. And maybe Michael Kendricks can have his cell next to Martha Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Kendricks is getting the minimum security white collar prison. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> he goes on and says, I'm not sure if Schirmer would be okay with him being in the same building after all the red flags that came up during the season last year. Apparently sleeping in meetings wasn't uncommon for Baker. But maybe Vic, Donatello, and a bunch of bets on the defense and defensive backroom specifically could straighten him out. He was a hot mess last year, although showed improvement down the stretch. But you can't deny the college tape was incredible. This might be a bad take, but hey, at least it's not Brandon Stokely. Let's sign Darius Geis bad. Pretty also, close. It's <laughs> close. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dan, but this is – you're you're right on the line here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, – you, you built the most convincing argument. You, you brought up his felonies and you said how he was sleeping in meetings and how are there other red flags. And boy, I just want to sign him right now. <laughs> he says, also, Mace, what's your favorite Simpsons sports episode? Has anything topped Homer at the bat, in your opinion? I'm not a huge baseball guy, but that's probably my favorite episode all time. Yeah, nothing tops that in the sports realm of the Simpsons. It was part of the time when the show was at its peak there in the early to mid 1990s, the, the cameos, uh, like uh, the, the inside jokes. Like I always, uh, I always loved how Bart and Lisa taunt Daryl strawberry and they Daryl, Daryl. And then Marsh says, you know, it's not very nice. And Lisa insists that taunting just rolls off their backs but then you see Strawberry lined up in right field and a tear goes down his cheek. <laughs> and turning Daryl Strawberry into the, like, the team first guy who, you know, utters every positive cliche over the course of the episode and is the one guy who doesn't get in trouble at some, some point. It's just, it, it was brilliant on so many levels. Uh, what's the song that plays at the end of that episode? Uh, it's based off of, Terry Cashman is t- talking baseball and then Terry Cashman himself recorded a song called talking softball because it's, you know, <laughs> company softball talking softball from Maine to San Diego talking yeah. softball <laughs> Mattingly and Canseco. I remember it. That's, that's the lasting memory I have from that episode. Uh, last one here from the other Ryan, my boys. I hope that each of you had a wonderful weekend filled with sports and that your move went well, RK. R.I.P. Carol Hardy, a formal, former Broncos personnel executive who played a major role in the team's construction of the Orange Crush defense. Yes, also a buff. Uh, and as the um, legend has it, the only person to ever pinch hit for Ted Williams. I don't think it's legend. I think it's real. I think yeah, that, that actually is true, that he, 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 he pinched hit for Ted Williams and then – Later on, when Ted when Ted Williams was uh, he was he was going to go out to going to go to the outfield, and the, but the Red Sox wanted to let him get one last ovation, and so they uh, they sent Carol Hardy out there, and people booed Carol Hardy, but Ted got his <laughs> Ted got his ovation from the Fenway Park faithful at the time. But yeah. The, uh, Car- Carol Hardy, man, what a life that guy had. Unbelievable. I mean, seriously, you, you, you almost think it's like a mixture, like you're confusing people here because mm-hmm. you got a Broncos executive, a pinch hitter for Ted Williams, a CU legend. Like, I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's 
similar to another CU legend in Wizard White, who, you know, Supreme Court justice, uh, a, uh, an NFL leading rusher, uh, a punter. A, you know, uh, uh, I mean, the list goes on for Wizard White and Carol Hardy, similar in that way. Yeah, and uh, of course, was with the Broncos for uh, for better part of the '70s and the '80s, a part of a, a part of building the '86 and '87 uh, teams that won the AFC, and of course, played a role in the Orange Crush as well. And um, yeah, a life well lived. He used to actually go back to Boston as well and take part in some old timers games, even though he didn't play very long for the Red Sox and uh, hit two twenty five, seventeen home runs. Not a very distinguished career, but you know what? He made – think about it. He played in the NFL. He worked in the NFL. He played in the major leagues. Wow. I mean, it's the kind of life that most people would dream of. Three-sport athlete uh, at, at CU. Uh, ten total letters, football, baseball, and track. Uh, just, I mean, in, just incredible when you see some of the things that uh, this man accomplished in his life. and. Uh, also, uh, let's see, pinch hit for Carl Yastrzemski and yep. Roger Maris. Wow. And according to the Boston Globe, when Bill Belichick worked his single season with the Broncos, Carol Hardy was his racquetball partner. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and just to put it into perspective, the 10 letters uh, for Carol Hardy in three different sports at CU uh, – that's four more than anyone ever in the history of CU Athletics. The closest, Dave Logan, who, got, mm. who, who had eight uh, between football and men's basketball. And another name that people might know, Hale Irwin, who had six between football and golf. Holy cow. I mean, talk of talented at the highest level. Yeah, pretty, pretty impressive. What, so. what position did Hale Irwin play when he played football, by the way? I wish I knew that off the top of my head. Okay, uh, just I, I just looked it up. Def- defensive back, two-time All Big Eight selection, and academic All-American. So think about that: two-time All Big Eight, and then he won the NCAA Division One championship in golf. Wow! Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking. Of, I'm thinking about Big Eight. That's incredible. Yeah, the Big Eight, the old Big Eight. <laughs> uh, this is random, and and uh, I don't I don't know how relevant, but Hale Irwin. There's a hole uh, on the course I grew up on, Flatirons Golf Course. It's the 14th hole. It's a par five. And the hole is designed with a big creek down the middle of it, which forces you to lay up, which makes the, the, the uh, green a lot less reachable. And two, you have to lay back. It leaves you about a 250-yard shot in if you, go, if you come up just short of the creek. Well, Hale Irwin back in the day could hit the ball so damn far he realized if he just plays it back down the 13th fairway, he can avoid the <laughs> creek uh, and then have like 150-yard shots. So that's, uh, that's uh, the old the, – the legend at Flatirons, you can, you can lay up short of the creek or you can hail Irwin it and hit it over the trees back onto the 13th fairway and have a nice, easy approach into the green. <laughs> that's pretty amazing. <laughs> uh. He finishes here, the other Ryan does, uh, by saying the potential of Drew Locke and Lloyd Cushenberry to grow together is exciting. In each of your opinions, what was the best quarterback-center combination in Broncos history? Was it John Elway and Keith Bishop from 83 to 89, or John Elway and Tom Nalen 
uh, from 94 to 98. Well, I'll just uh, use the cheapest way to win an argument and say I'll point to the one with two rings. Right. That's the yeah. easy one. But Keith Bishop's been by his side for longer. It's true. So, and relationship-wise, maybe it's Bishop. But, yeah, although, the rings will do. Although Bishop was a guard. Billy Bryan was the mm. center when John Elway got there. So he went Billy Bryan, Keith Carks, Tom Nalen. Oh, and there you so go. It's got to be Elway and Nalen, no question. Yep, it's got to be Tommy. And speaking of the other Ryan, happy birthday, the other Ryan. Celebrated a birthday over the weekend. So happy uh, birthday, brother. Hope it was a great one. Happy birthday. And he finishes by saying in the parlance of Zach, have a magical Monday. DNV Army salute, and I believe that is one hell of a way to finish off the questions here today. Of course, a reminder to head over to Davidson's to get all of your needs, whether it's beer, wine, or spirits. You can, of course, get our favorite Breck brews there. Uh, you can you can learn about whatever you need to learn about from their extremely knowledgeable staff. Uh, but make sure you head over there. Big time Colorado sports fans with two locations: one in Centennial, one in Highlands Ranch. But that's going to wrap it up for us today on the dnvr broncos podcast we appreciate you guys for being with us and we'll talk to you soon